Welcome to JP Morgan TV. I'm Bruce Kasman, and uh, with me today is Mike Hansen. Hey, Mike, how you doing? Bruce, how are you? I'm online from the IMF meetings, um, which I can't say I have all that much that kind of crystallizes in my head to kind of say I learned at these meetings. So I'm not going to go there. I think we'll go with what's most important here is how we're watching um, central banks react to what has been a you know, stressful few weeks um, and how that contrasts with what we're seeing in the data. But let, let's just start with central banks because we are starting to see a, a set of central banks begin to shift towards pause. We got some interesting messages from the Fed minutes of the March meeting. Um, so why don't you kind of, you know, talk a little bit about that, where you see things standing there. Yeah, sure. So we've had a, a few of the DM and, and a number of the EM central banks uh, indicate pause at this point. So the, the DM, we've had Canada now on pause for at least a few meetings. Uh, we had a, a pause from the RBA, although we're not convinced they're quite done just yet. Um, and obviously, this is against a backdrop where at least at the last meeting, we still had rate hikes from the Fed, ECB, and BOE. Um, and basically, uh, you know, it's a combination of some decline in inflation and then concerns around financial stability that uh, or in the case of, of some of the DM economies like Canada and Australia, you know, concerns around the slowing in the economy from a stronger pass through of um, tight policy, right? It's getting these central banks to kind of move to the sidelines for the time. Being. Yeah, and I uh, think the, the Fed, the Fed did move 25 at its March meeting, but you could right. really see the, the conversation begin to focus on uh, the banking sector stress and uh, uncertainties right. about what that'll do to the economy. Obviously, the staff put in a recession, a recession for the for the latter part of the year, and actually, also importantly, has that recession getting inflation back to two percent by the end of twenty twenty four. So, where where do you see that that conversation taking us in terms of where the Fed stands right now? Yeah, I mean, we're still thinking we've got one more rate hike uh, in May, uh, and certainly we had probably just good enough labor market data, and and you know, still fairly you know strong. Uh, core just inflation. good enough, I say. The labor market data was better than just good enough. Right? Well, they it's were interesting. Running over two hundred thousand a month on payrolls, and like uh, this is debate how rate much is at three point five percent. I agree with all that, right? But I think there's a debate about how much of a slowdown we're seeing. And, and it's in the context of this idea, right, that you had more Fed officials now talk about the idea that there's a cumulative uh, amount of tightening in place. And you know, now that we've seen some signs that the credit conditions are cracking a little bit, that all of that is suggesting maybe there's a case to be made for a pause, right? It's not our base case. The market is kind of split. The market well, clearly- we got a pause after the May meeting. Um, yes. So I think it is it is in some ways, and I, and I would say if we step back, uh, we can talk about the the message from the US data. I think it is important, but you know, if I listen to what Fed officials are starting to do, I think they're, they're doing two things here. One is they are, as you say, they're reflecting uh, a greater sense that there's transmission, um, that there is uh, tightening that they can now count on. But I think they're doing so in a way that they reinforces our, hey, this is a forgiving God, um, it's a New Testament God, because they're they're doing so against the backdrop of still pretty darn elevated inflation news. So by taking that mix and saying, hey, we may need to be more cautious here, they were before the banking sector stress, they were ready to talk about raising the terminal rate in a significant way. Now they're 
they're talking about perhaps perhaps one and then and then done i think that that validates the idea that they're still sitting here saying we can live with high inflation as long as it's on a downward trajectory we don't need to get it back quickly and we care about this expansion um i think the second thing which is kind of connected to it of course is the idea that there isn't that crisp separation some other central banks may may be able to feel that way but you know the fed the fed is 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 shifting guidance it's shifting its way of talking to us in a way that helps reinforce their their efforts on the liquidity side and and, and you know whatever other programs we want to talk about here to try to limit financial sector stress so I, I think that's an you know it's an interesting spin on the reaction function as you say it's still looking like a 25 is the most likely um move in may because of the fact that uh you still have some pretty, you know, elevated inflation here. And because the first quarter is still tracking pretty high, we're still at three and a quarter in our GDP forecast. Atlanta Fed is at two and a half. Either way, those are still strong numbers. But talk to me about the momentum. I think that's an interesting issue here. Um, we are starting to see momentum moderate in the U.S. as we end, end the first quarter. Yeah, you, you've clearly seen in some of the recent data, right? So the retail sales and the IP that uh, came out today, for example, suggested that, you know, you, you were, came into the quarter a bit stronger, you're ending the quarter a little bit softer. Um, there's been a yeah. lot of talk about various signs of, of labor markets uh, cooling in one form or another, right? Whether it's what we saw in terms of the, you know, the payroll requirements, just what's happening in um, wages and what we're seeing in uh, the JOLTS data in terms of vacancies coming down some, and then, of course, the rise of claims, right? So all of those are kind of pointing to perhaps the labor market showing some signs of cooling. Uh, you know, and right. again, I think this golf cart feeds into this narrative that, you know, again, if, if kind of things are going to come together in a way that's going to allow the Fed to achieve its inflation target by 2024, then maybe we're in a situation where the Fed can start thinking in the relatively near term about pausing. There's obviously a debate about what happens thereafter because the market is pricing, you know, reasonably aggressive cuts in the second half of the year. And Fed officials are not talking that way. And we're not expecting that either at this point. Yeah, I think the way you get that would be that either a financial crisis breaks out or the economy slides into recession. So I think I think in the in the near term, the real important call here is is what was what we're seeing on the growth side of things, not a slide into recession, but a moderation downshift from from that first quarter. That's still going to be okay, not not great by any means. And I think if that is the case, it's still going to feel like it's not driving an inflation. Um, profile that's getting you down to a comfort level. Uh, in that regard, I actually think this week's you know inflation reports were interesting because we had a a weak PPI, we had import prices come off, so there's some hope that the um, interruption of the downward move in goods pricing that we saw in the last uh, you know two or three CPI reports may just be a uh, a little bit of noise around the trend. But you know, I would I would say the other side of that uh, signal. Is when you look at these short-term inflation expectations, they're they're not coming down any further. They're still very elevated. So this idea that we've been certainly pushing that there's a salience point and that you are uh, seeing something shift in the um, you know the setting of prices and wages that's going to make the Fed and other central banks' jobs more difficult. That's getting you know validation as well in the data, and it's that tension I think that that becomes interesting in watching what inflation right. does next. Let's turn to um, the rest of the world for a couple of minutes. I mean, you know, we are looking for a moderation in U.S. growth, but certainly it doesn't feel like that's the story for the rest of the world. We had some pretty impressive 
China releases uh, talk about that, and you know certainly Europe's looking okay too here, right? Right. Yeah. Yeah. China's the the probably the big story in terms of the revisions made to the outlook in the, in the past week, right? So we brought up the Chinese growth now to above ten percent annualized rate for the first quarter. Um, there's a number of indicators, but particularly I think the trade data pointing to uh, the idea that you've got a very strong reopening rebound happening in China. But we think it's not just external. We think it's also a very important uh, domestic component to it as well. Um, and so you also had, for example, uh, an upward surprise in credit growth, which suggests that both the demand weakness that we saw late last year may be abating, but there's also some signs that there's been some front-loading of, of policy supports that are, are backing that as well, right? So the combination of the two is also pointing to an even stronger lift than we thought in the first quarter. So it's going to be quite boomy in China. Uh, yeah, 6% growth for the year now is our forecast, 10% for the first quarter. And there's a good chance that that does have positive spillovers to the rest of the region, especially if it's coming with more of our hope than, than anything we can tangibly see in the data yet, that the tech downturn in Asia is getting close to uh, to being over. And that's you know, that's one of the interesting things we're going to watch. We've got Taiwanese export orders. They're a key part of that tech story next week. Let's talk about Europe for a second. I mean, the growth story looks good, but also let's talk about where the central banks stand. We've got obviously issues that are tracking ECB, Bank of England here. Yeah, I mean, the data has generally come in, uh, the, the European data is obviously a little more lag, but the data has generally come in, this continues to suggest that the, you know, the first quarter has got you know, fairly solid growth by European standards. Um, you know, Obviously in sharp contrast to the recession that was thought not that long ago. Um, yeah. And so you've also had inflation continue to run fairly, you know, strong. It's been sticking to the upside, particularly on the core front. I think that's the key place, right, where it's a concern for, for central bankers. Uh, and the labor markets, again, in both these uh, economies remain fairly tight as well, right? We've seen you know, signs that wage gains are, are continuing in both the euro area and the UK. So all that is keeping some pressure on the central banks. Uh, remember, they start a little bit later, so they're somewhat, <clears throat> excuse me, further behind. I think that probably plays into the story a little bit as well, right? But we're thinking that you're going to at least get another 50 basis points and, and quite likely more out of the ECB. And, you know, we're biased towards thinking that the Bank of England probably has more to do than they themselves are indicating and the markets are pricing. So. I guess the, you know, the key question here is um, where are we going to be in six months time? You know, this is a, this is a really interesting issue because the markets are in some ways saying to us that they think there's a pretty good chance whether it happens in one or two months or happens in three or four months, they might be late, but the things are going to kind of break apart. And I guess the way I would kind of think about it here is that's certainly possible, but you're going to need to see pretty strong impulse from this credit tightening and a, and a pretty strong impulse uh, broadly uh, making its way through the, the private sector. Um, you know, what's your kind of take on that? Well, I think from the standpoint of the market, it seems like the market has to have this idea, to your point, that there's been either some really significant easing of inflation and cooling of labor markets fairly quickly uh, to allow the Fed to, to even think about if it's a normalization story, but more likely that it's some sort of acute, you know, excuse me, some of the recession because of financial crisis or whatnot. Um, I, I suspect that, you know, if our concerns are, are, are right, that it's not going to be that clear to central banks in six months' time that things have weakened to the point where it becomes obvious to cut, unless, of course, something breaks, right? It's hard to forecast something breaking per se. Um, so, yeah, I mean, I think that, you know, you 
could very well be at a point where you're starting to see you know, maybe payroll growth starts to turn negative. That's the base case in the U.S. forecast as it's starting in the end of Q3. Okay, that would start to maybe get the Fed a bit more concerned. But uh, the, you know, I, I think again, you really would need to think, see things break much more than we think is likely, given the you know underlying resiliency in the economy to get the cuts as quickly as the market is saying. The converse there is if things do break. It's quite possible we get more cuts than what the market is suggesting. Well, you almost certainly will. Almost certainly will things actually break. But I think in that context, you know, there is this issue around how does the momentum slide in the data look. And I I certainly think if you take the totality using Powell's uh, language of um, what you saw in the March data, that's clearly not happening. It's not in the payroll report, even looking for through the noise up and down in the monthly variations in retail sales and IP. I don't think you see it there. It's not in the PMIs, not in the ISM. So, but now we turn to the April data and, um, you know, the first two weeks of April, I'd say claims are higher than we would have thought they should be at right now. And that's, you know, that's an interesting, you know, point to, to keep, keep your eye on. We'll get flash PMIs next week. I think we actually have it going up a little bit Marginal, yeah. one to, to be tracking. But we are in right now a, a tracking mode to see whether or not we're right that U.S. growth momentum is slowing, but not that precipitously. So uh, we'll we'll keep our eye on that, and um, you know I guess we'll go from there. Um, what is obviously on the horizon, not far, which we're not going to talk about today, is the debt ceiling, and that's I think something which is starting to become part of the issue and may become part of the the, the issue for the Fed as well, but. Let's just leave that out there as a, a a welcome thought to start your weekend with. And with that, um, let's say, uh, hope that we can continue this conversation again next week on JP Morgan TV. Thank you.